Hello. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, my name is Caroline Dooner and this is the Fuck A Day podcast, but I just tried to record something and I decided that I was going to start over again and tell you that I don't want to do a podcast episode today. And it's because I am totally drained, like emotionally and spiritually, basically. And I just don't want to. I don't have anything to give. I don't have the wherewithal. And so this is not an episode. (laughs) This is just me talking to you, telling you that this is not an episode and telling you that I will be back um, and I will be bringing you great, inspired interviews and episodes and ideas. And I'm just, I'm finally struggling. (laughs) I was not struggling. I was optimistic. I was, I was okay. I was able to focus on self-care. I was busy. I, the weather was livable for walks. Um, I was okay during the first couple months of this quarantine. There were, there are a couple reasons for that. One, um, I, I have it easier than a lot of people because I, I do work from home, even though, uh, the expectation to be creative during this time, I think is, is really hard. And I have struggled with that, but I, I had, you know, I had things to do. I was doing lots of episodes and bonus episodes and my sister was back from California. The weather was nice. And I felt like, okay, this is going to be a couple months and I can do that. And we, we can all do that, you know? And I knew I was lucky. Um, and I am with my situation and everything during the quarantine, the ability to quarantine, the ability, I'm not worried about money this year. I will be next year, but I'm not this year. Um, and I was okay. And I, you know, it wasn't easy or fun and there were stressors, but it, it was okay. And I just kind of hit my wall. I just realize that I'm not okay and I have to do another kind of I have to do some processing and some reflection and wait for some clarity and support myself so I can re-enter so I can you know keep keep working and keep creating and keep writing right now I really feel like I'm in the middle of this and I don't know what to say (laughs) and I don't know what to I don't even really know what to think except that it I feel um I, I get really depressed every summer when it's super hot and I can't walk anywhere without feeling like I'm dying 
And for the past couple summers, you may remember if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, for the past couple summers, I say, okay, at this point, I'm doing it to myself. I live in Philadelphia. It gets this hot every summer. I hate it every summer. I'm miserable every summer. It makes me anxious. It makes me not want to do anything. It, um, I, I feel trapped inside and I... You know, I have to figure that out. But now there is all of this other stuff on top of it. And I, I, I think at this point, I just feel like there, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel with the, uh, with the pandemic and with the masks. Um, the heat, my, my anxiety over the heat plus the masks, I'm just like really, I'm not doing okay like I'm just not doing okay um, and I will be fine and I, I know logically that this is just a phase and that this too shall pass and that it always does and that it always will in its own way and that clarity will come and it's going to be okay and I'm going to write again and I'm going to have ideas again and I'm going to enjoy doing this podcast again but right now I just feel absolutely sapped emotionally and spiritually and I feel guilty for that because I know that my situation isn't that bad and I um, I feel like I should know better and I know how to have good coping mechanisms and I know how to take care of myself. Um, but I think I just need to let myself be not okay and like I I also never really slowed down during the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID pandemic, I just had, I was busy. I was busier than I usually am in a way that was nice. It was like a really nice distraction. It made me feel, it made me feel, um, okay. It gave me a routine and I was able to take my long walks every day with my dog. And I would talk about, I talk about on here how that was like a saving grace for me. And I don't feel like I have that anymore in the heat. And I might feel this way anyway, honestly, because I often do during the heat of the summer. But it just feels compounded right now. And I that's how I feel. And I feel like I would like to just kind of be honest about that as to explain why I do not feel up to doing a normal episode today. What I am going to do, however, is I'm going to read a couple of the um, inspiring emails that you guys have sent in. I ask that anyone who's been doing the fuck a diet long enough, who feels like they kind of got over the hard part and started experiencing uh, something that made it feel worth it and something that made eating feel easier and their relationship to their body feel easier. I want to hear those stories because I want to read them on the podcast because I know that they are helpful to the people who are still in the thick of it. So the emails that I've gotten from people that are saying, oh my gosh, this has helped me so much. Thank you so much. You're amazing. I'm so happy. This has been a lifesaver. Those are great emails. I love reading them, but they're not the ones that I'm going to be reading on the podcast because those are like testimonials basically. And these also kind of read like testimonials, but the purpose of them 
is to uh, give you hope (laughs) and give you a light at the end of the tunnel. Something that I would love for someone to give me and you with this pandemic situation. Um, so all I can do, because I can't, I, I feel, okay, I think one of the things that I'm struggling with, with knowing how to write and how to continue working and how to continue creating in this situation and in this pandemic is because I feel like I need to jump into being teacher mode and then I need to figure out how this applies to the fuck a diet and how this applies to rest and how this applies to limiting beliefs and emotions and breathe and feel. Um, by the way, the thing that it definitely applies to is in these tough times, the answer is to be in your body and to feel and to process and to let that reveal what it does and that that brings its own clarity. All of the tools in the book really are super, super helpful for not only healing your relationship with food, but also helping you through these times. I just did a lie down before I recorded this because I needed peace and clarity and quiet in my brain. Um, But I think the thing that I'm struggling with is I feel like I need to be putting out really helpful content right now, or or I feel like I want to be putting out helpful content. And I don't feel helpful right now. I don't feel clear. I don't feel, I haven't figured it out. I feel like I'm still in it myself. And I actually feel like I'm in a place that I think a lot of other people were in a couple months ago. Maybe they have found their resilience and their coping mechanisms and have surrendered to what they have to surrender to and this and that. And I just now I'm like, okay, so this is not ending in a couple months and I just feel I feel like I need to mourn what I thought this year was going to be and I haven't done that and I just you know I think we all need to do that and I I don't know if some of you who are listening already have done that I haven't because I was like it's going to be okay I can do this for a couple months and then things will get a little bit more normal in the summer and they're not. I feel like things are becoming less normal as things are opening. Um, I feel like some other things are getting more strict, and I, you know, we're, we're they're rolling back the openings because of the spike. And I'm just like sad. I, I just I just feel sad, and and that's where I am recording this podcast episode and I I have to record it today. You know, if I'm feeling really out of sorts or exhausted or sad or whatever, I don't usually feel sad actually. Um, But when I feel exhausted or overwhelmed or like it's not a good day to record a podcast, I just put it off. Usually I put it off as far as I possibly can. But I'm recording it today because I am going to be driving up to the mountains tomorrow, which hopefully will be nice. Um, it's still going to be hot. <laughs> I'm going to be staying in a little house with no AC. So I I have like an extreme version of like heat anxiety because I'm a really bad sleeper when it's hot. When it's not anything but cold, I tend to struggle with sleeping. But you know what? I am surrendering because I, I do need a change for a couple days. Um, so I won't be around this weekend to record. And so... I'm going to 
Anyway, my whole idea was that I wanted to record um, the stories that you've sent in that are, that will be helpful and inspiring to the people listening, to the people who are going through it. But then I started recording before, and I've thrown that out, and I re-recorded. And I felt like I'm just in such a funk that I feel like I needed to start it off by saying, this isn't a real episode, and this is why. And the reason that I'm not on Instagram all of the time is because I feel, this is how I feel. I'm just like, I don't know what, I don't know how to like continue just acting like, I feel like it's, we're in such unprecedented times that I want to be able to speak to that and honor that, but I don't know how to right now. And I know that I will figure out how to, and that you know, not every season is a season of productivity. And I don't mean, I don't mean seasons like uh, winter, spring, summer, fall. I mean like phases of life. Um, and I think, you know, I'm always amazed how people can put out a podcast episode every week for years on end. I find that really difficult. I, I have always sort of created these podcast episodes in a sort of erratic but intuitive way where it's like oh I'm feeling super inspired I have all these ideas I want to do this 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 and this and then I'm like well it's been a little while let me come back and I switched over to every other week when I started um, when I started working with a an agency that helps to find advertisers for your podcast. I needed a consistent schedule and I was like, okay, this is good. Um, and if you've listened to some earlier episodes, you may have heard those ads. And when the coronavirus pandemic hit, all of those ads dried up and I've been getting a couple requests here and there for things that really don't fit um, or just don't feel like an organic fit for this podcast. And yeah, I could do like a fertility thing or like CBD oil, but it just feels like, it just feels gross. So, you know, the other thing to say is that this is all, my podcast is largely unpaid and I do it to connect with you guys and to have another, you know, I've always called this like a, an audio blog where it's just another way for me to talk about all of this stuff uh, that's bucket diet related. And it also gives me the opportunity to share some things that are not bucket diet related. But as you can hear, I am going through it. And so I just need to let that be okay. I have to. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I have copied and pasted into my notes app, really. And if you have sent in something and you don't hear it, that doesn't mean that I, I won't be sharing it on an upcoming episode. And if you would like to send in your own inspiring experience on the fuck a diet that will be helpful to people who are just starting out or who are in the first couple months and feel like they're in the thick of it and don't know if it's worthwhile and don't know if it'll ever get easier, um, please send your story to podcast at carolineduner.com. That is where I collect all of the stories for the podcast. 
Also, um, I have been running the Fuck a Diet Book Club for the past eight weeks, and it's been wonderful. It's a lovely, lovely group. Um, I really love running it. I won't be running it again until 2021. It's possible that I'll change my mind and run it in the fall, but I don't think so because that's when my book is really going to need to be finished. I'm going to be down to the wire, and so I feel like I'm just going to be a little overwhelmed at that point. Oh, look, everyone. It looks like I'm going to be overwhelmed for the rest of my <laughs> rest of my life. Um, that's okay. Well, but the other thing is I'm trying to write this book about my personal experience with diets, but then also rest, and it feels disjointed. That's my biggest problem with the book. Like it's, a, like it's three different books put into one, and that's a problem, and I need to make it feel a little bit more cohesive. But also I'm writing about rest in the middle of this pandemic, and so all of these other things are happening, and I, it feels so far away. Like it feels like it isn't timely to what I'm experiencing right now. And so I'm struggling with that. And so I need, I need clarity on why I'm writing that book now, why that book is still something that is worthy of being read in the next couple years. And I think I might be a little bit too hard on myself and a little bit too hard on the book. Cause I, what I really want it to be is funny, fun storytelling that's also has some nuggets of wisdom here and there a little bit less of a how-to a self-help book than the fuck a diet but still you know in the same with the same um, writing style blah 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 but I am struggling with it I feel like I feel like what's the point of this book right now um, and I need to not feel that way in order to write it so that's something that I'm going through Ugh. but the book club has been great. My very last um, call with them is going to be this Sunday. Um, and then over on patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner, I have put up archived episodes. So if you're newer to this podcast, you can get older episodes that there's nothing wrong with the episodes. I just archived some of them. Um, so those will be going up there. And there are already a couple up there for archived episodes and for archived Q&A replays, some from past versions of the Fuckatite Book Club, some from way, way back during Fuckateer Academy. Um, but those are good Q&As. They're just archived. They're just not, you know, they're not my new programs anymore. But it's all the same stuff. It's all very... Um, it's all very relevant questions from people who are going through it. And so if you would like more content on top of the book, you can go to the, uh, you can go to Patreon. I was going to say the Patreon, like the fuckatite. Patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner. And it's $10 a month. And every month I, up, I update two new um, long <laughs> archived pieces of content. So it's usually like an hour uh, for one and an hour for another. Like the Q&A is usually an hour and the episode is usually an hour too. So that's just some extra goody content if you're interested. And let's get into this story that was sent in by somebody named Emily from Ohio. Okay. The short story is I developed anorexia at 17 and struggled until 25, until I was 25 with it. My quote-unquote recovery was to quote-unquote allow all foods, but 
I really just developed a binge eating disorder and destroyed myself psychologically and emotionally by trying by tying up my self-worth with weight, appearance, and eating habits. My weight, appearance, and eating habits. My late 20s were littered with different self-help programs, exercise routines, 30-day challenges, and empty cartons of snacks I didn't even want. When I discovered your book a few years ago, now, to be fair, it only came out a year and a couple months ago, but when I discovered your book last year, it clicked. It just made sense because I knew deep down the body is so much more than the mind. Ooh, I like how she said that. Still, it took a while. And I think this is important for people to understand. I sputtered and regressed and quote unquote failed for a couple months. I had to reread the book. I wasn't truly committed to believing what I was putting into practice and it slowed me down. But I still came back to your book because I knew inside it was true. And then slowly I made progress, noticing, jeez, I like don't even know how to pronounce this word, why have I, I've never said this word. I've read it, but I've never said it out loud. So let's see if I can figure it out. Let's see if I can figure it out. Then slowly I made progress, noticing, so it's like satiation, but satiety, satiety, satiety. I don't know. I genuinely, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. YouTube or wait, wait, wait. Satiety um, pronunciation. Let's learn together. I bet you know, and you're like, wow, you're really stupid. Oh, shoot. Wait, can you just say it? Satiety. Oh, geez. I've never heard that ever in my entire life. Satiety? Are you kidding me? Okay, satiety. I'm going to go back to this. Um, I made progress noticing satiety, cravings for different foods, and strangely, peace? Then suddenly, all at once, everything fell into place, and I haven't looked back for over a year, and I'll never look back. I'm a tiny, she sent in weight, um, weight amounts, but I'm changing it to just be more general. I'm a tiny bit heavier than my pre-anorexic weight of 18 years ago. And from my, I just recovered from anorexia weight of 10 years ago. And I'm significantly lighter than my working out every day and eating clean days of five years ago. Clearly my body likes where I am and I do too. Every year living in the North, I gain a little bit of weight over the winter, maxing out in March, and then come June, it starts to come off as I garden, walk, and have fun outside. It's normal to me. Everything feels natural and normal, and I hardly ever think about food, which is amazing since that's all I used to think about. There is now space in my mind for me to live, and I have never felt so buoyant and enjoyed my life as I do now. When I exercise, it's all for strength and flexibility and nurturing my body. It feels empowering knowing I love myself most when I put no contingencies on it. And then she writes her last paragraph that is just like very kind to me, but I'm going to read it because I want to respond to it and actually explain why it's easier for me than it is for other people um, to talk about this. Okay. She said, it, may, it amazes me that you can fight this struggle against the diet industry, against what people have been schooled to believe in magazines, blog posts, and conversation. I think I tried to get two people on board and I got nowhere with them. 
Where would I be without you? Would I have ever had the courage, the information, and the deep intuitive knowledge to act in a way that shows my body should be listened to and respected? I doubt it. She said, I doubt it. I'm not saying I doubt it. We, the truly recovered, owe you the most meaningful type of gratitude that exists. It's so nice. And for that, I hope anytime you are down and stressed, (laughs) I forgot she said this, and I am down and stressed and struggling, Emily. You can hold on to knowing you help someone learn to love the skin she's in. (laughs) After spending half her life apart from it. All the best, Emily Ohio. Okay, I think when I read this, I was like, okay, I can do this on the podcast today because it was so nice to read that when I was like, ugh. Yesterday, I was like, yesterday is the day that it hit me that I just wasn't okay. And I had like a panic and didn't, I didn't do anything but lie on the top of this couch. Not my couch at my house, but the couch at my parents' house at the shore. I was at the shore yesterday, but I had to come back today so they could fix my AC again. Um... That's another reason I felt trapped. I was like, I can't even live in my home. Um, ooh, okay, but I was like, there's this like really nice couch that my grandmother gave my parents. Um, they had she had a place in Florida, and when they move, when she moved out of that place in Florida, she gave one of the really nice couches to my parents, and they put it in the downstairs of the shore house, and it's so big. And sturdy. So I, I'm sitting on an Ikea couch right now because I live in a hobbit home and it's so tiny and the door is so small that no significant couch could ever fit through the door. And so I must have things just like fold down like Ikea couches. But this couch that was my grandmother's that is now in my parents' shore house is so big and the back of it is so humongous and sturdy that I just like to lie on it. Like I lie on the... T- the the top the back of the couch and it's just it feels good (laughs) that's what I did all day yesterday texting my friends about how I wasn't doing okay and my friends helped but I'm still in it okay so that was really nice Emily thank you okay but what I wanted to say is when she said in, in her last paragraph when she said you know, how do I do it? How do I have these difficult conversations and fight the struggle against the diet industry and against people, what we've all believed and how she tried to get two people on board and got nowhere. I struggle the exact same way with people in my real life. I don't necessarily get through to people in my real life and I in some ways I I don't even try anymore because it's so difficult and disheartening what I do on the internet and what I've always done as long as I've been writing about this for the past eight years which is crazy that it's been eight years um oh my gosh I just realized I like did the math as I was falling asleep last night so I'm 32 and 32 divided by eight is four so for the last fourth of my life, I have been on the fuck a diet. And for 10 years before that, which is a little bit more than a fourth, I was um, obsessed with dieting. And for the 14 years before that, I believed I was a food addict. Even as a child, I was a binge eater because I felt denied. I didn't know that's why. But 
so anyway, that was crazy to realize that it's been a quarter of my life on the fuck a diet at this point. But as long as I've been writing about it, I, I have never sought out to convert people ever, ever, because I really don't think that works, especially with people who are not there, who are not ready, who are mid diet, who are having a great time dieting or who think they're having a great time dieting or who still believe that they just need to find the right diet. I never and you know and people dm me all the time and they say can you debate this person or can you um speak to this or can you condemn this diet or can you do this or that and i you know i guess i do condemn certain diets sometimes but i really ironically even though it's called the fuck a diet and it sounds really intense and um antagonistic I guess I really try not to be antagonistic with people who are in it and I I I just I I find it really stressful and I find it really anxiety inducing and I don't find it very successful so I've always just written and let people come to me let people google what they google and see if when they land on my site or when they at this point when they see my book um, if, if it resonates with them, uh, I let people read the first part of the book for free because I want to let people see if my experience, cause the beginning of the book, I sort of make fun of diet introduction, a uh, diet book introductions and talk about my experience dieting and, and coming to the fuck a diet. And I feel like, you know, the less pushy, the more likely it is to get through to people. And then of course it spreads by word of mouth at this point, which is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I'm so lucky for that because it's, it's something that I, 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 I've never gone out to seek people. I've never gone into diet communities and been like, you guys are all wrong. Like you're going to regret it. (laughs) I might say those things to people who are commenting on my stuff on my Instagram. Um, but I, at this point, I have been doing this for long enough that I can say, hey, check this out. Check this out. This has been my experience. This has been, you know, a lot of people's experience and sort of just let people find me. That has always been the way that I've done it. And when I'm faced with a friend who or a family member who is really in diet mentality, I, you know, really all I do is I say, you know, well, if they don't know what I write about at this point, which most people do, I say, you know, I, I dieted for a long time and I learned a lot of things about it that really opened up my eyes and I don't do that anymore. And if you're interested, you can check this out. But other than that, I really don't because I do not find it effective. Now, most people in my life do know that this is my deal and that this is what I write about but not everybody understands it some be a lot of people half understand it um and then I've met new friends who've been like wow this is so helpful and so new friends will check it out but I get nervous I even get nervous like to meet new people or to meet new neighbors and like be like oh then be like I googled you wow what that's so 
cool. And like, I don't know what their deal is. I don't know if they like are, you know, if diet culture is part of their job. Like, I don't know. And so I actually get really like, oh, I don't feel like having a debate about this or even a talk about it. And I don't like, I don't like giving a spiel if I don't know where they stand. And so I, I mean, all of this to say, I really do most of my work in writing and online and I interact with people who are ready and who want to go on this journey and that makes a world of a difference so for anyone out there who's struggling with getting through to people in their lives you are not alone I actually feel the same way a lot of the time and and I find that having a softer approach is is way better at getting through to people now if they are kind of coming at you with their stuff that's when we need to put up boundaries but that that is my experience okay I'm gonna read the next one now okay so this one says I read your book in October 2019 I'm 25 and I did not even realize that over about seven years I had slowly become obsessed with dieting 100% believing that anything could be healed by fasting, cutting out major food groups, etc. I was constantly trying to curb my hunger with anything other than food. I read your book at the same time as getting hypnosis for self-love to end binge eating. I'm just going to interject. I don't actually know if she's going to address this, but I'm just going to interject to say that I think self-love can go a long way and is a really important piece to help our relationship with food but I don't know if self-love heals binge eating without also addressing um, the underlying diet culture okay but that's kind of obvious because she's talking about how it was in conjunction with my book okay I did a lot of journaling all of your writing exercises and completely stopped running gym sessions oh 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 Jeez. Okay. Sorry. I completely stopped running gym sessions and changed my highly physical summer job to a slow paced flower picking job. Wow. That sounds beautiful. Or I could listen to all your podcasts and Christy Harrison's. You two completely carried me through those first few months. I feel so grateful to the work you both do and all of your wonderful guests. Oh my God. So sweet. Anytime anyone says something really sweet to me, especially right now, it just makes me want to cry. Oh, okay. Also, I just want to say, I mean, if you're, if it's not already clear to you, I love Christy Harrison so much as, um, I love her work and I love her as a person. I think she's extremely special and I, I just love her. I love her so much. I talked to her on the phone about two weeks ago and that also made me want to cry. (laughs) Okay, let's continue. And of course I allowed food, all food, 100% of the time. It took a lot of time to quiet that internal criticism of every food choice. I had accumulated so much noise around eating. I was living with my family over this time, and that's hard. That's actually hard to do. And I had a close friend who I could tell everything to. I felt a lot of shame around how out of control I felt around food, and my friend was so encouraging. She is a completely normal eater and would would only ever affirm that I was doing the right thing. <laughs> I keep wanting to cry. I don't know why. It's because I'm going through such a weird time and these are just beautiful. Okay. 
She also took photos a lot and showed me how much beauty she saw in me no matter what my weight was. We laughed a lot and got really angry at the culture that built this thin ideal. I even, I even think we did a voice recording of how suppressive the whole dieting thing is to women. Anyway, fast forward eight months and I feel completely healed. I'm lucky to have strong memories of being a normal, intuitive eater my whole childhood up until about 18. Now that I've reclaimed that, I am never going back. I have energy. Food is just food. Yes, I can digest gluten and no, sugar is not addictive and butter is a fantastic food and no, peanut butter does not need to be eaten by the jar unless I feel like it. (laughs) I feel a closeness to myself. I can articulate easily what I want and don't want. I feel closer (laughs) to cry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, everybody. I'm sorry that I'm just like a little bit of an emotional mess right now, but this is moving me in a good way. So I think it's, it's at least good for me. I hope it's not too annoying for you. I feel closer to my intuition and it is easy for me to make my own decisions with little guilt. I feel like I have far more patience and time to spend with others. I just feel generally less judgmental and more loving. Also, there's so much time and space in my mind to to dream about what I really want from life. I'm so amazed how just getting rid of food rules. (laughs) Oh my God. And me beating myself has given me back all of this. I do run and exercise now because I love it and it makes me feel good. I don't feel bad if I can't. Another thing that has really helped me has been getting a young dog to train. Yep, it gives me so much joy to focus on his accomplishments. I felt that too when I got Molly. I was like, wow, I've never been so not focused on myself in a good way and then also in a bad way because I was ignoring my own self-care sometimes with Molly. But um, that I was like, it doesn't matter what happens with me. I just need to make sure she's happy and okay. (laughs) Another thing that really helped me was watching old home videos of what of when we were kids and it reminded me of what is important. It helped to remind myself of what it felt like to be embodied and unselfconscious of my body. I love this, Millie. Millie's the one who sent this in to me. And I also just want to say that my golden retriever that my mom gave away when I was 12, when the dog was only one, was named Millie for millennium because we got her right a couple days before Y2K. Well, I guess Y2K was when the world was going to end because it turned to 2000. So we got her a couple days before 2000. So we named her Millennium and then called her Millie. Okay. She said, Millie says, I'm sorry for the length of this. Don't apologize. It's a great email. I just really want to let you know what a huge positive influence you have had on my life, even though I live in New Zealand. If this helps anyone going through their own fuck a diet, then that is fantastic because it is scary. It's hard and a little bit lonely, but 100% worth it. No, my weight did not go up exponentially. It plateaued and then it went down a bit as I continue to feed myself everything with no out of control cravings. But oh my God, it does not matter one bit the size of anyone's body. The thing I find attractive in people is their zest for living. <laughs> oh my God, this is so helpful for me to be reading these right now because they're, they're, they're life affirming. 
And it's reminding me that it's okay. <laughs> that it's okay that I don't really know what I'm doing or how I'm contributing right now. Um, and that's helpful. So thanks for letting me read these, everyone. <sighs> okay. All right, I'm going to read another one. Hi, Caroline. I want to thank you for writing your book and helping me develop the tools I needed to get off the diet train. Prior to COVID-19, I was well into my journey and working through the weight gain and self-acceptance and kindness. Um, I don't know why that's confusing to me, but I, but I kind of feel like weight, working through the weight gain with self-acceptance and kindness. In fact, in early March, I went shopping for some larger spring clothes so I could feel good in my new body. Less than two weeks later, dun, 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 I found myself in the throes of isolation while transitioning to a work-from-home setup. The constant barrage of bad news and reports of limited food in stores set, a, set off a subconscious fear of food scarcity. So understandable. I talked about that a lot in the beginning of this whole thing. So if you missed those episodes, you can go back to March and listen to them. Throw in the fact that I have celiac disease. Oh, yeah, that would make my that would make me afraid of food scarcity. Honestly, way more. Um, and suddenly, I had few, if no, options for gluten-free bread, pasta, and oatmeal. Naturally, I took a few steps back in my journey and wound up overindulging in various comfort foods. My weight jumped, which is to be expected, but I felt very uncomfortable physically with new added weight. While I struggled with accepting, excuse me, ugh, while I struggled with accepting my body as it was, I kept kept gaining, and nothing I owned fit. And shopping wasn't even possible because I had no idea what size to order, and most items were sold out online. I have a tendency to obsess over things I cannot change or control. I broke down and signed up for Weight Watchers. I know it is a diet, and I knew it was a bad idea. I thought maybe if I used it as a guide rather than restricting, I could manage my eating a bit better. Well, that lasted three days and I noticed major disordered eating habits creeping in. I heard your voice, I have your audiobook, and I canceled my membership immediately. Happy for confirming what I already knew, I decided to reread, I have your ebook too, or listen to your book. Before I had a chance, my father took very ill and wound up in emergency surgery and remains delirious post-op. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. When it rains, it pours, and I feel like that's just like a consistent, horrible, unfair thing that happens to us humans. My point of sharing this bit is that through the past week, I have not thought about food or or binged, and I owe that to you and your book. Clearly, I had come further than I realized. Food is what I consume right now for nourishment and strength, and I'm able to choose food that serves that purpose without feeling like I need comfort food. This is my very long-winded way of saying thank you for the fuck diet and your continued support via Instagram. During a very difficult and trying time, I can find comfort in the knowledge that I am on the right path, and I finally feel free of diet culture. My journey will be ongoing, but I am so grateful to be on this path. Thank you again for all you do, Diana. Um, That's so interesting because I do feel a similar 
thing, like compared to how I would have reacted in a time of crisis in the past, which would have all been binge eating. Um, I now do not turn to food necessarily, though maybe a little bit in you know a fine, normal way as humans do. But I sort of see food as this thing that's going to get me through my life or the crisis that I'm in. And I don't mean right now. I'm not in that kind of a crisis right now. I'm just sort of in like a slump. Um, but I mean when things get really, really um, intense and stressful and um, sort of almost like a fight or flight for an extended period of time. Okay, I'm just going to read the next one. Ready? Caroline, I hope you read this because I have a girl crush on you. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to say that. You are so awesome. Um, I'm an ex-D1 athlete. I was starving about three years into my college volleyball career. My moods were horrible and I knew I needed to change. I started following you when you only had like 25,000 followers. I immediately attached to your message and your personality. Oh, thank you. This is Mary and I kind of have this feeling that this person, Mary, who wrote this to me, also was in one of my programs a couple years ago, but I might be wrong. Maybe they just have the same name and they both were ex-D1 athletes. The fuck it diet was so hard for me. My weight raised for the, um, my weight raised and the fears were so at the level surface. My coaches treated me weirdly. I was playing at my peak, a vital player to the team and I still felt like I wasn't good enough because of my size but I kept going I even feel like it made me stronger and more passionate on my stance on trying to change your body I am about a year and a half into it and I've never felt better I'm confident in who I am not what I look like I am not obsessing I can't talk enough about how mental restriction affects us Mental restriction is the actual devil. No matter how much work you do, you need to get over the thoughts of, well, should I really be eating this? Or maybe since I ate a lot, I won't be as hungry at dinner and won't eat. Yeah, we'll go with that. I feel so free. I feel happy. I don't eat weird anymore. <laughs> I don't overthink when my body wants something. I actually enjoy my food. I am a more compassionate person. I see others as humans and not as bodies. Ooh, that's beautiful. I really believe all bodies are beautiful. One advice I would give, one bit of advice I would give is to surround yourself with people who have healthy relationships with food. My new husband has such a good relationship with food and his body. He loves exercise but does not restrict any food and it really helps you to feel okay and to feel normal. It also gave me something to look to and hope for. I'm so grateful for you, Caroline. I feel so free and grateful I never have to diet again. I'm so, 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 so happy to hear that. And when she wrote, I really believe all bodies are beautiful, it reminded me of one of the last calls with my book club gals. Um, you know, the book club, the book club is open to men and women um, and non-binary uh, people. However, it's largely women in there, though sometimes during some rounds there's more diversity in it, but this time has been all women. But um, 
one of the things that someone said, and it wasn't even really a question, it was an observation that um, now that they are on this journey, they're just seeing people on the beach in diverse bodies with so much more, um, so much more love and compassion and it's actually healing to them. And they ask the question of, is there, is there, you know, a parallel or is there, um, God, why can't I come up with a word? Is there an, you know, a correlation between how we feel about our own bodies and how we look at other people's bodies? And I believe, I know the answer is yes. Um, and I'm sure there are people who would say, well, you know, I am, I'm now a lot nicer to other people's bodies, but I'm still really cruel to my own. And I definitely think that that is a phase that people can go through. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But in general, when you change your relationship to your own body or when you want to change your relationship to your own body, it makes you a lot kinder to other people's bodies and when you have this cruel relationship with your own body you're in this sort of like measuring up place with other people you're always like oh well at least I'm better than them oh I wish I could be like them and we're in we treat people with the judgment that we treat ourselves and I also think that if you're in a place where you are kinder you're learning to be kinder to bodies in general and are a lot more um, accepting and really understand and view diversity as beautiful and inspiring, but you're not there with yourself yet. If you can just keep going with that healing of the way you see other people's bodies, it will affect you. It will ripple, you know, it will ripple back. Doesn't make any sense. Like boomerang back. It will, it will continue to be healing to your own relationship with your body. So I do think there's a correlation there. Um, and healing one helps to heal the other. So healing your own relationship to yourself heals your relationship to other people. Healing the way that you look at other people will also heal the way that you look at yourself. All right, I'm going to move on. How many more are there? There are two more, but one of them is very, very long. Okay, I actually just read them and I'm only going to read one of them. So here we go. Okay. After being fat most of my adult life and dieting on and off several several times and even struggling with an eating disorder, I found you on Instagram as you were promoting your book. I read it soon after it came out and it changed my life. Honestly, I am the person now who, when someone starts talking about bad food in the break room at work, I will yell from my desk, food doesn't have a moral value. Or when folks talk about binging when they're on diets, I say, don't you know there's scientific research about why your body does that? I've learned to listen to my own body to find out what it needs, but of course, I've gained weight from when I was my smallest, read, most disordered. Today, I had to get weighed. I have not been on a scale since an intuitive eating course I did last summer. I threw my scale out. I declined to be weighed at the doctor's office, but my insurance mandates blood work and weight BMI be reported. I sent them a long email about how BMI was BMS and how this practice was antiquated and triggering for some, but that's another story. I am working with a therapist and I talked to her about, about it this week and expressed my concerns it would trigger me if the number was more than I thought it was. She asked what I wanted it to be and I said I didn't care. I only want it to be low because I am vain. <laughs> That's funny. But I truly do not believe it matters. 
I love that kind of honesty. It's like, yeah, we all want to fucking fit in with the social elite, obviously. But at the same time, we know where that can take us emotionally, physically, mentally. And we don't want to be miserable trying to fit in with people who, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But I love when people people say that. Okay. I only want it to be low because I'm vain, but I truly do not believe it matters. She asked why. And of course, I started with, well... I read this book called The Fuck It Diet, and then I went on to say that I think my body has a set point weight that's probably higher than I wish it was, but I'm not spending my life fighting that anymore. All my blood work is in the normal level. I eat what I want, which now includes fruits and veggies because I'm listening to my body. I work out when I want to, in a way I want to, and in reality, I walk two to four miles at least five days a week. But if I would rather sleep in, I sleep and I don't punish myself. After spouting to her all these facts, she said, So if it really doesn't matter, do you think you'll be okay getting on the scale? I felt so powerful after telling her all the reasons it didn't matter that I decided it would be okay. So enter today. I had an idea of what the number was. I was prepared for it to be a bit higher perhaps. I got on the scale and it was just a little bit higher than I thought. I was, she said the number, but I'm not going to read it. You know what? I didn't freak out. I didn't cry. I didn't come home and throw out my ice cream. I just laughed, partially because, and I don't think I'm in denial, I really think the scale was wrong. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And secondly, because I really do not care what it says. This is such a different person than I used to be. And damn, I really like this me much more. Thanks again. Wow, everybody. Thank you so much. There are more emails that have been sent in. So I will get to all of them eventually, God willing. Um, But for now, I'm going to bid you adieu. And I just want to say thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for understanding that I am trying to navigate how to, you know, write and get through this time and take care of myself at the same time while also knowing I am so incredibly lucky in all things considered and relatively compared to what other people have been going through during this time um I the next episode should be my chat with Alicia McCullough one of the black women who started the amplify melanated voices challenge on Instagram Um, She is an eating disorder therapist. She is trauma-informed. I'm really, I haven't had the conversation yet with her. We're having it next week, but I'm really hoping that it is enlightening and that should be the next episode in two weeks. I hope you have, or I guess by the time you're listening to this, I hope you had a nice holiday weekend. I hope you're surviving the heat if you're living in a place that's as hot as where I live or hotter. Um, A lot of really hot places are not as humid. I guess if you live further south from me on the East Coast, you're having, you're going through it. But I feel like people who live down there like it, right? At a certain point, at a certain point, you're doing it to yourself. And I'm talking about myself. I am doing this to myself because I haven't had the inspiration to move somewhere else even though I think about it all the time. 
Um, it just isn't time. Like it isn't time yet, you know, and it's definitely not the time during this pandemic. Oh my God. Okay. Thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful. I hope to talk to you soon on here and on Instagram. Know that, you know, even though I am a little bit distant on social media right now, um, I will be back. I will be. I'm just trying to gather emotional and spiritual strength. That's it. That's all. Um, and I hope, I hope you're doing okay. And I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.